0: to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. I'm so excited about this episode because I have Ginger Hubbard with me. Ginger, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode. Well, thanks for having me, Brittany. I've been really looking forward to it. Oh my goodness, and so have I. So I first was kind of exposed to Ginger through her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. I believe I actually read this a couple years ago. And as a mom with A five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, it was great. It was such just helpful information rooted in God's word that I needed to hear. And then at the end of last year, I read her book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That. And that one just really hit home with me addressing things that we were currently dealing with in our own home, in our own life with our kids. Um, And as I was talking to some of my friends, they're like, we're dealing with the same things. And I loved the approach that you gave, taking it all back to scripture, all back to what does God say. And it was great. So I was so glad when you agreed to come on and join me for this podcast. And you have quite the bio. You've you speak at homeschool conferences and women's events and parenting conferences um you have these books different other resources i know a lot of that's on your website um if you want to share a little bit about that and some of the different things that you have available okay
1: yeah, uh, on my website, all of my books and uh, parenting resources are available there. I've got several parenting books. You just mentioned two of them: the Wise Words for Moms chart, which is that's on my list of to get to. <laughs> yes, yep, yep. That's probably the bestseller, and uh, folks can find out a little bit more about me and where I'm speaking and yeah. how to connect with me on my website at gingerhubbard.com.
0: Okay, great. Well, you have been such a blessing to me already, and I'm just so excited. To have you share really a lot of the content in the book, I, just, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, in this episode, kind of diving into the message that you shared in that book. So I'm excited. We're just going to go ahead and jump straight in to this. So there are a lot of great parenting books out there. I'm an avid reader. I've read a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you offer some really unique advice in your book that kind of sets it apart from some others. So do you want to share a little bit about that and your approach?
1: Sure, yeah, I loved a lot of parenting books. Um, I'm an avid reader too, so mm-hmm. I've read so many parenting books. <laughs> One of my favorites is uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted yes. Tripp. He's mentored me a lot in my own parenting and in my ministry and in the books that I write. And so <clears throat> I guess what makes mine a little bit different is, you know, as a national speaker, I've listened to parents just all over the country, express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their kids. And they say Mm -hmm. that they've read the books, they've tried the advice, but they just kind of remain frustrated because it seems like nothing's really working. And so, and I can't believe you just said that. What I wanted to do with that book is expose some of those faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart, uh, equip parents with biblical principles and then provide them with what I call a toolbox full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in a practical way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of great parenting books out there. Um, I've read many of them. Um and a lot of them are chalk full of scripture for what the Bible says about parenting, but few offer the information that parents need most, which is how to practically
0: apply those yes, scriptures exactly.
1: th- to the tongue-related struggles their children face in everyday life. So that was my goal for this book.
0: Well, and I know that was a, what was accomplished in my own life as I read it because, yes, I know there's a problem. Yes, I know it needs fixed, and I know I need to go to God's word. But you connecting all of those pieces and giving that very practical, this is how you can implement this in your home. And I love how you even mentioned several times in giving examples, personal examples even, that you know it's not something that as the mom that we just focus on in our child. But it's really, it's got to start with us. Mm -hmm. And watching our tongue and taming our tongue. So tying all of that together, that's what made this book so unique and so helpful for me. So kind of as we look just around us, we see children are losing respect for their parents. Parents are losing control of their kids. And really as a result, our country is kind of facing this epidemic of undisciplined kids who just have no filter on the things that they Mm -hmm. say. So how do you think that we've kind of reached that point as a nation in our parenting?
1: Well, we live in a nation that pretty much defies God at every point, including child training. And, you know, it's not that parents don't desire obedience and respect from their kids. I think all parents desire obedience. and and respect for their kids, but many parents fail to achieve those results, and I believe that reason is twofold. I think the first problem is that so many parents, in an attempt to get their children to obey and to show that verbal respect, they've adopted these faulty child training methods, which focus only on the outward behaviors of their children, but they fail to reach the hearts. Mm -hmm. So many parents have developed this philosophy that if they could get their children to act right, uh, to behave, that they're raising them the right way. But there is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue, a love for what is right, a love for God, rather than a fear of punishment. So failure to reach the heart is the first problem. And then the second problem is that parents are They're just not following the instructions in the instruction manual. I once heard Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. You know, think about it. When you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual, Mm -hmm. tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, then the customer is encouraged to contact the manufacturers for repairs. And, you know, it's the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, He has provided parents with instructions for how it operates best. Yes. And so, also, when parents experience problems with the training of their children, He's also given us that open communication with Him and He encourages us to contact Him. Mm-hmm. And He says in James 1 5 that when we ask Him for wisdom, He promises that He'll give it to us. Yes.
0: And I love this, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but you know, I'm kind of the young mom looking forward to the future. This is what I hope to implement as I have these little ones raising them, but you're at a different season of life. So you have a whole different perspective. Your book came out of seasons of mothering young ones and middle age and teenagers. Do you mind to share just a little bit about your family here?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I have two kids of my own uh, that are now 28 and 25. And then I married Ronnie Hubbard 10 years ago and he came as a package deal with two boys. So I have two stepsons that are also in their 20s. So between the two of us, we have four kids all in their 20s. So we're enjoying uh the adult kids now, which is yes. is really awesome. It's just when all that work, hard work pays off and now the parenting is over, they <laughs> still come to us with, you know, things and want our counsel, but we're yes. done with the parenting stage. And so now we're just getting to enjoy <clears throat> that friendship with adult kids. And it's just super fantastic. It's a whole different season, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Yes, well, and I love that even as a follow-up to this question in just thinking about, okay, so you've implemented these things in your parenting with your children and now you're reaping the rewards of transitioning into this more friendship adult stage and you're saying, Okay, all this hard work did pay off. Doing it God's way does work and does turn out kids who will love the Lord and they're not gonna be perfect, you know, but but you're reaping those rewards. And I love that. And I do, like you said, I feel like as as a nation, we are so bombarded with just this negative outlook. You know, oh, you can try, but it's just, it's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to be able to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish as a Christian parent. But mm-hmm. it's clear from God's word that when you follow his way, you do. And, and he will bless that. And so I, I love that you're able to speak from that season of motherhood, looking back and saying, okay, these are proven techniques. I've used these and they have worked in the home. So in your book, you talk about how asking the question, why do they act like that, is really the wrong question to ask when they're misbehaving or having rude speech or using their words in a way that does not build up and edify one another. And again, I'm in the young season. So I know sometimes (laughs) I, am why am I shocked that my five-year-old or my three-year-old teases or whines or complains. you know, why does that catch me off guard? So what is a better question? Why is that not a good question?
1: Well, and I can relate, even though mine are older, they were once younger. Yes. And when my kids were little, I used to be shocked by some of the things that would come out of their mouths, whether it was whining or lying or talking back or whatever. I would typically ask that question that so many parents ask, why do you act like that? <laughs> but after a closer look at the word of God, I finally realize, you know, I am asking the wrong question here. In mm-hmm. Matthew twelve, thirty four, Jesus explained, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Yes. <laughs> Our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words comes from inside us, and it starts a whole lot sooner than we might Mm -hmm. think. King David proclaimed in uh, Psalm 51.5, he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. So when par- we're all born sinners. We're born that way. So when parents truly grasp just the origin of sin and the total depravity of the human race, we no longer have to question why our children sin. So mm-hmm. I slowly learned to quit asking, why does my child sin? And instead I began to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like me in need of a savior? How might I help him understand and live in that transformational power of Christ?
0: You know, that's one lesson that my dad really helped me learn in my parenting. And it has been a lesson that kind of slapped me in the face a little bit at first, but it has helped me so much. You know, I was in a I was dealing with one of my children, and they did. Their their tongue was just unruly, and I couldn't seem to correct that behavior. I was so focused on the outward behavior. And I was having this conversation with my dad, and I said, you know, I just, I can't seem to get them to stop whining. I can't get seem to get them to stop complaining. It's just <laughs> this continual. And he just made the statement, you know, he's like, isn't that so much like us and how we respond to God? You know, God's mm. like, I just want the best for you. I just want to bless you. And here we are kicking and screaming, You know, I don't want to eat my peas or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it was, yep. you know, and, and again, it stung. So for a minute, I had to work through that. But I've thought about that so much. He shared that probably two years ago. And I've thought about that so much in my own parenting. Again, it's not why do they act like this? Like you said, they're sinners. What more do I expect? But I love that aspect Okay, it's more than the behavior, it's how can we use this to show them their need for the savior? Um, I've done another episode on this podcast interviewing my spiritual mentor talking about redemptive discipline and using these failures, using these sins as an opportunity to turn our kids' hearts to their need for Christ as their savior. So I love that. I loved that element of your book.
1: Well, good, that's that's you know our goal, and also it's that part of the uh, thing that we need to think about is that our kids have the same struggles we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we too struggle with all of these things because there's sin in our heart as well. And so when we mess up and when we blow it with our kids, we need to be willing to go to them and say, you know what? The angry way that I just spoke to you, it did not honor you and it did not honor God. So let me try that again in a way that does honor you and does Mm -hmm. honor God. And man, when we're willing to let our kids see that we're not too prideful to admit that we have some of these same struggles they do, we complain, we whine. And so when they see us doing that, let them also see how the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and how the right way it is, uh, or the right way to respond to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because God uses even our weaknesses when we handle it the right way. And when they, our kids see us making those confessions and seeing us making things right, and he uses that in their lives as well, because we're setting the example of uh, hearing from the Holy Spirit and responding to the Holy Spirit and making things right.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I love showing them a model of forgiveness and restoration back to God and back with others that your tongue has affected. Because I think that's one thing about the tongue. So often those sins of the tongue touch so many other people around yeah. us. Yeah. And Awesome. So you encourage that the Bible is the best instruction manual for parenting. We've kind of touched on that a little bit. But what about some of these verbal offenses that aren't directly addressed in the Bible? Um, Whining, teasing maybe. Some of these that aren't clearly said, thou shalt not, you know. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, for a while, one of my kids
1: really struggled with whining. And so I can definitely relate and sympathize with parents dealing with that annoying verbal offense. That's one that can really (laughs) get under our skin. Yes. And and you're right, Brittany, the Bible really doesn't address whining specifically, but the Bible does talk about self-control and whining is an issue of self-control. So when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way, or to, uh, you know, acquire something that she wanted. So I know that parents love scenarios. So let's just let's just go through a scenario. Let's just mm-hmm. say that my daughter comes into the kitchen, and rather than asking for a cup of juice in a normal tone of voice, she whines for it. And so I would ask her just a very simple heart-probing question, something like, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? No, you're not, sweetheart. God wants you to have self-control even with your voice. And because I love you so much, I want to help you get that self-control. So this is how I handled that with my kids. I said, I'm going to set the timer. I had this little kitchen timer that I kept with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I'm going to set the timer for three minutes, and when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. So you see, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequence of having to wait three minutes, which mm-hmm. uh, if for a small child can seem like an eternity. And That might even be too long. It might just be one minute or two minutes. You know, there's no mm-hmm. magic rule there. And then when that timer goes off, um, most important, we want to have them come back and ask for juice with self-control, which is an issue that is addressed. In Mm -hmm. God's word, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So a wise parent is going to learn how to reach past that outward behavior, pull out what is going on in the heart, and then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective.
0: That's great. And I think even as I was thinking about this question and kind of looking through your table of contents, which is just fabulous of all these different things you address, issues of the tongue, there's even, I mean, we just, we see roots of, pride of selfishness of, again, like you said, there are so many elements that God does address that it might not come right out and say whining, but so much of that is rooted in other things. And that was so helpful for me as, you know, as I'm trying to use the very words of scripture, as I'm trying to, in that reproof, bringing my kids back to the Bible as the mom being armed with, okay, so let's take whining. When whining happens, because inevitably it's going to multiple (laughs) times a day, you know, what what scripture can I use? How can I equip myself as the mom to find that? And so you you did a great job of helping address some of those. I, I really enjoyed that. So we've talked about the chapters in your book, addressing all these different verbal offenses. We have Lying, tattling, whining, complaining. I mean, just the list can go on and on. So, you offer this three step plan for dealing with each one of those. So, do you want to kind of talk to us about kind of that plan that you have written about?
1: Sure. So, step one is heart probing questions. And the reason for that is if you think about it in all the stories throughout scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, Mm -hmm. this is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. Yes. Jesus often used heart probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus was a skilled heart prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations going on around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So for each of these verbal offenses that I address in the book, Like you said, every chapter is a different verbal offense that kids struggle with. And for each one of those, I offer two or three very simple suggested questions that's going to help parents reach past that outward behavior and really pull out what is going on in the heart. Then in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, um, just in a nutshell, we are instructed in those verses to put off our old self and put on our new self. So step two is what to put off. What God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right.
0: Great. And I think the best part for me and all of that is just the practical application. You know, again, we, we touched on this, but the sin is laid out. Now we are equipped with the scripture tools that we need to combat it, but how do we apply that? And that really goes into my next question. After you go through these three steps, how do you actually implement this? So yes, I have all this head knowledge. How do I put this into practice in my home? I think a good way to do
1: that is by requiring our kids to practice the biblical alternative to that wrong behavior. You know, it's never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. We always want to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior. And then most important, we want to uh, require them to actually go back and do that. When we require our children to physically practice the biblical alternative to their sinful behavior, what we're doing there is we're teaching them how to apply God's word to daily life. So say that a child speaks disrespectfully to his parent and the parent says, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. See, that is ineffective child training because the most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and discipline the child who's speaking disrespectfully. We should have him come back and practice the biblical alternative by communicating the right way, by using the appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many children, particularly mine, as they were growing into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression.
0: (laughs) Yes, body language speaks a lot, doesn't it? It does,
1: it does. So when we train our children in what's right and require them to practice what's right, we're teaching them how to grow in wisdom and we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations that are similar. So in my books, I refer to this as the practice principle. Can you imagine trying to teach your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle? No, (laughs) it's it's not gonna work. Just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you would have to physically demonstrate how to do it and then require him to practice it on his own. So if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character?
0: Yes. Now, so I know that implementing this once... Okay, so we've they've whined. So we're going to work through this plan. We're going to work through these things. We're going to bring them to the Bible. But to me, that is a little bit after the fact, which is very important. Do you have any advice... For preventative, again, talking about modeling these things, is that something that you also implemented in your parenting? As far as being proactive before? Yes. They do something and, like- and modeling some of these ways to talk, ways to um, not talk, or, you know, some of that type of instruction. Is there a preventative right. well, ahead of the game side? Yeah, yeah, ahead of the game. Well, you know, just if you know,
1: for example, that your child – Uh, has a tendency to misbehave when you're at the grocery store so go ahead before you go to the grocery store sit down at home and talk about what's expected at the grocery store like with my kids I always it was expected for them to when they were old enough to walk of course um, it was expected for them to hold on to the buggy so that they are not straying away from the buggy so when we're going up and down those aisles I would say Before we got to the grocery store, what Mm -hmm. is expected? Where are your hands supposed to be? My hands are supposed to be holding on to the buggy. And are you allowed to pull things off the shelves? No, I'm not allowed to pull things off the shelf. So just talking about some of the uh, things that you know they struggle with ahead Mm -hmm. of time during times of non-conflict, that can be very helpful. And with my kids when they were little, if I could tell, I wasn't a big timeout fan. Um, Because I felt like that if your kids do something wrong, if they disobey and you put them in timeout and then they don't stay in timeout, well, then you're dealing with two different issues. You've got double Mm -hmm. the workload. To me, timeouts could lead to power struggles. But I did use what I referred to as a reflective timeout. In other words, when I could tell that my child was getting an attitude and that they were contemplating whether or not they were going to obey and I could just kind of sense that. Yes. Yes. You know, even even maybe I could tell that they're about to start getting disrespectful in what they're saying to me. I would stop them and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. It looks like you might be about to make a bad choice. And so I think maybe you should go to your room or you should take a few minutes and think about how you're going to respond before you respond. And that, that can really nip something in the bud before, because a lot of times it's an issue, again, of self-control. They're just popping off about something. But if you say, you know, wait just a minute, I can tell you, you might be about to make a bad decision, so yes. take a few minutes, make sure that you're responding the way you really want to respond. And that's so, great,
0: and I know that's even something in, and I'm just thinking in my marriage, that we've tried to, you know, there are some times where we say, hey, we don't call it a reflective timeout, but I like that, where it's, I, I need a minute, yeah. my heart's going in the wrong spot, we need to talk this through, but we want to do it in the right spirit, so yeah. I'm going to go and Pray or look up scripture or something and, and we're gonna reapproach this when yep. we are rooted in Christ and not rooted in self.
1: Right. I love that. And as a wife and even as a mom, you know, there's Mm -hmm. times that we know we can just feel the blood go into our face and we know that we're about to respond in the flesh instead of in the spirit to our kids. And it's okay for us to go take a time out and say, you know what, I need to go to my room for just a minute. And then we go to our rooms and pray and ask God to make our heart right before we go and correct our kids. Because our kids can sense when they are being violated by impure motives and God knows the motives of our heart. So when we feel that anger rising up in us, and we uh, know that it's a possibility that we're about to respond to our kids in a way that is going to be very disrespectful to them and very dishonoring to God, then it's okay for us to take a few minutes, for us to
0: have that time out. (laughs) Yes, and, and that's great. I mean, I'm just thinking one thing, practical application that we've been going through in our home is the, the volume, you know, it just gets louder and louder and louder until all of a sudden mommy's nerves just can't take it. And I should know that, Hey, okay, <laughs> we just need to redirect reach it or if mommy needs a moment, but instead I yell, why is everybody yelling? No more. Yell. And then there, there've been times where immediately I'm caught and I'm like, I am yelling that we shouldn't be yelling. yelling. <laughs> and yes, you know, and I thought, what is this communicating? What is this trying to teach? Not what I'm trying to teach. Right. So I, I yeah. love that. And, and I, I just, I love how it's just, it's the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, we can put it directly in our parenting, but it spills over into our marriage. It spills over into our individual life and how it just, it meets every need that we'll have. Right. And I see that through so much of what you share. Yeah, and you know, Brittany, something else that
1: helps us to communicate with self-control and to not blow our top and, and lose it um, is to have a plan. I think a lot of times when we respond badly to our children, it's because we really don't know how to address it. So that's one reason that with a book, I have that three-step plan. It's like, here's some heart-probing questions that you can ask. Those don't, those aren't the only questions you could ask, but sometimes we just need a little, a little push to get us going in the right direction. So here's some heart-probing questions you can ask, and then here's some Bible verses as far as what God has to say about the struggle that you're having, what you can put off, what God's Word says about that, and why it should be avoided, and then what you can put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And when we have that plan right in front of us, it helps us to be so much more self-controlled and so much more full of the Spirit in the way that we respond to our kids. Because let me tell you something, it's hard to scream the Word of God at them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True, very true. (laughs) Yes, yes, and and that's great. And I love the emphasis that you put on, okay, not only are we putting something off, but we're putting something on. Mm -hmm. We're forsaking the wrong and turning to the right. I love that. So what elements of ineffective discipline should parents avoid? We've we've kind of skirted all around this, um, but how would you answer that? Well, when
1: children speak offensively, I have found that parents a lot of times respond in one of two ways. We either ignore the child hoping that he will just somehow outgrow it or we administer some sort of consequence, hoping to, as we hear people say, put the fear of God in him. In mm-hmm. uh, both of these methods, if you think about it, they're ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. Uh, of course, there are those occasions when ignoring may seem more convenient to us because after <laughs> all, it does take time to train them up in the way they should go. Yes. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance Really, that's to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. And then on the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior, they definitely have their place, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Administering consequences without following through with righteous training, that really only teaches kids one thing that there are consequences for sin. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that is an important lesson, but an even greater lesson is to understand and to help them understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring Him the glory He deserves. Our whole purpose in disciplining our children, it's not just to merely teach them to avoid consequences, but Mm -hmm. to train and instruct them to honor God with their lives.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, as as a young mom, my heart's desire is to help raise the next generation of one day adults that are going to stand for Christ and raise the next generation. And even in preparation for this episode, I was looking back through some of your books and, and I loved the emphasis that you put on just the reality of it's easy to get caught up, whatever stage of motherhood, but it's easy to get caught up. In the demanding tasks, the, you know, we go from whining straight to complaining, straight to, you know, and sometimes it's just, it's overwhelming. You know, I don't have the time to sit down and work through each little thing. But when we, when we root our heart in God's word, when we get a, a Christ focused perspective, Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned in one of your books that it relieves a lot of that frustration and Mm -hmm. helps us really see, like you were just saying, it helps us see correction, training, molding these souls really in a whole different light. And mm-hmm. I know that has helped me so much getting off, you know, the, the earthly focus and seeing mm-hmm. that eternal focus and realizing really the responsibility that God has entrusted to us as parents mm-hmm. as we try to raise this next generation. So I, I loved that emphasis that you had. Well, and that is our goal,
1: is we need to look at all of these opportunities when our children do something wrong, not as frustrating moments of inconvenience for us, Mm, but as (laughs) these precious opportunities to point them to Jesus, to their need for Jesus and just the, the 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 preciousness of his word. If we could view all of their sinful behaviors as these precious opportunities to teach them, we would be so much more righteous in our training. We would yes. be joyful and eager all the time rather than angry and frustrated. Now I know better than anyone that's so much easier said than done. <laughs> but we are too <laughs> So say strive. I'm still in the process
0: of yeah. implementing that into my motherhood.
1: That's right. But when we view those moments as opportunities to point them to their need for Christ, it just changes our whole perspective. It changes uh, just the way that we look at it and the way that we handle it.
0: Well, and I know the times when I have had the wisdom and the peace and the forethought to implement it from that angle, from an eternal perspective, not only... Does it change how I view the situation, how I respond and react in the situation? But it greatly impacts the way my child responds mm-hmm. and just the sweet, the sweetness that can come from that type of interaction mm-hmm. versus a, a very corrective interaction that really has nothing to do with God's word or trying to train according to the biblical model. Right. Oh, great. Well, Ginger, this has all been so helpful. Um, I will share your books, where they can, people can find you, in all of the show notes. Any parting things you want to say about either of your books, your ministry? We'll share a little bit about your podcast in just a second. But any parting thoughts, any encouragement maybe for the weary mom who is trying to turn from that frustration to a, a Bible-based parenting approach? Yep. Yeah, and I understand that
1: it, we can become so weary and training our kids in some of these same things over and over and over, uh, but I love what Galatians 6, 9 says about that. It says, and let us not be weary in doing and in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I love that verse.
0: That is wonderful, and I think that that is encouragement in and of itself. What better encouragement could we get than something that comes straight from God's Word? So that's that's wonderful. Well, I know that one of the ways that you're encouraging a lot of parents is through your podcast. So do you want to share a little bit about that, what it is, what you share, how to find it? Sure. Yeah, great. Uh, That is probably one of the biggest ways
1: that I'm encouraging parents right now. And like you, we've been going about a year. We're having our one-year anniversary this month. Ah, uh, congratulations. So, yeah, so, and it's uh, it's called the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. It's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, we are super passionate about helping parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and into a confident and biblical and heart-oriented approach to raising their children. So it's uh, Parenting with Ginger Hubbard is the podcast, and people can subscribe to it wherever they listen to podcasts. Another way that I love to encourage folks uh, on a daily basis is through my Instagram, and you can find me there at ginger.hubbard.
0: Yes, wonderful. And again, I will put all those links in the show notes. They will be easily accessible because I know people are going to want to Get your resources and get more of the wisdom that you have to share. Um, And I, I love that. I'm so passionate about using this platform that the Lord has given me to just get these resources out there. Because I know, even specifically, your books have blessed me as a mom. They've blessed our home. Um, they have been those tools that God has used to turn that perspective back towards oh. him. And so anytime I find something like that, I just want to share it with everyone that I can. So thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you for sharing those resources. And I'm just so blessed and honored to have you join me on this podcast. So thank well, you so thank much for your time.
1: You. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate you having me.
0: You're welcome. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.